Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast, Sibs and Second City Sports. This podcast will be brought to you by two siblings in the Chicago area talking about Second City, otherwise known as Chicago Sports. My name is Brian, and I work and live north of the Cheddar Curtain currently, unfortunately, Um, but I will be back hopefully soon in the Chicago area, so just dealing with all those Packer fans right now, which can get kind of obnoxious at times. I'm Ashley. I currently work in Chicago, and I'm in marketing, Um, but I spend my hour-long commutes listening to Chicago Sports Radio, so when Brian asked if we wanted to do a podcast together, I thought it'd be a lot of fun. And this is our third take trying to create this podcast. Yes. So it yes, will be so a learning experience. A start. <laughs> but uh, what we want to focus in on this episode is the top moments from the 2010s decade in Chicago sports. Uh, right now, things are kind of not going so well in the land of Chicago sports with the Bears. Who knows what's going on there? The Cubs haven't done anything. Bulls and Hawks have been disappointing. So... I thought it would be good to look back at the past decade and uh, kind of just look at some of the better moments that we've had in Chicago sports. And I think that was a little bleak. I don't know if it's going to be necessarily so negative moving forward, but we'll talk about that as well. Yep. So I'll start off. Uh, I have a top 10 list of moments from Chicago sports, and I'm actually going to start at the top because I think... The top pick is pretty obvious. I think Ashley has probably has the same one as well. We haven't compared lists, but I'm just assuming. And he only told me to come up with five. Yeah. So he came up with ten, and I came up with five. Yeah, so there's a little disconnect there. But uh, number one, I think, will be the same for both of us, and that's the Cubs winning the World Series. Um, that Game 7 was the most crazy baseball game I've ever seen in my life. Just an emotional roller coaster five plus hours, the rain delay, uh, the extra innings. The The infamous speech by... (laughs) By Hayward, yes, by Jason Hayward. (laughs) Obviously very memorable. Um, And uh, yes, no, that game though, it was unbelievable. And if you would have told me back in 2010 that the Cubs would have won the World Series in the decade, probably wouldn't have believed you just where they were at that point with Jim Hendry and a lot of aging superstars such as Aramis Ramirez, Derek Lee was still on the team, um, but Theo came and turned it all around. And Well, uh, yeah, I think that's where you need to start is when Theo joined the Cubs organization, he really did turn around the whole team. And I know recent signings have not been <laughs> great, and there's been a lot of talk on whether Epstein should still be the GM on the team, but um, he really did start the whole process of building up the farm system and um, getting some huge signings that really did lead to the Cubs winning the World Series. Yeah, and I think also just getting Theo was Tom Ricketts going out and just doing that GM search. I think we forget Tom Ricketts took over in 2009, so really he was just here for this past decade, and he's made a massive, him and his family have made a massive impact on the Cubs organization taking over from the Tribune company. Um, So that's my number one. I don't think we need to talk tons about it just because, you know, everyone knows the significance of that World Series and the moment of them winning it. Um, But I do think a fun fact, which I, I didn't realize, is the Cubs winning the World Series really completed the cycle of all Chicago teams winning a championship within 30 years. 
So that was kind of cool. Yeah, that is true. And With the Bears in the 80s, and mm-hmm. then obviously the Bulls in the 90s, Blackhawks in the 2010s, yeah. um, and then obviously the White Sox in 2005. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Um, and I think my second uh, number moment, my number two moment, was the Cubs winning the pennant. And I think that just has a special place in both Ashley and I's heart because we were at that game. I still remember standing at the beginning of the game. Everyone was standing. It was silent. And you could just feel that nervous energy in the stadium. And I think after they won, everyone was just kind of in disbelief, but then obviously very excited. And David Ross kind of broke that tension. He was uh, doing the air drums to In the Air Tonight that was playing at Wrigley at the moment. And, you know, they showed him on the Jumbotron. And I think it just got everyone to relax a little bit. And they got off to a quick start. They were up one nothing after one, two nothing after two, and then just kind of took off from there. So um, really, it wasn't a very intense game or close game in terms of the circumstances of the actual game. But throughout the game, you just were waiting for that typical Cubs moment that never happened. So, and they hadn't won since 1945, which is yeah. a huge. <laughs> hurdle to get over (laughs) yes so that was uh my number two moment and then number three we're moving away from the cubs a little bit that was the hawks winning the 2010 uh stanley cup that was their first cup win in i think 50 years i think it was since 1963 yeah okay so almost 50 50 years there um so obviously a big moment the blackhawks were kind of irrelevant in the 2000s just not being on tv no one not really having much of a fan base and then uh stan bowman in the 2010s along with uh, rocky wirtz and john mcdonough really just took that organization and completely overhauled it and it kind of uh cum- culminate culminated <laughs> culminated i guess in the 2010 stanley cup uh victory um, and then my next moment is the Hawks 2013 cup appearance and ultimate victory. I think that, uh, moment was so special cause you had the two goals in 17 seconds in Boston in game six. Well, and they were trailing the Bruins in the third period with only right. 76 seconds left. And then they scored those two goals, like Brian said, in 17 seconds. And I mean, just that moment there. And it's kind of weird, eerie, how 17 seconds brought the second Blackhawks um, championship and then with the Cubs winning after a 17-minute rain delay. Yeah. Kind of strange. 17 is a significant number in the decade in Chicago. Um, And, yeah, if they would have lost that game, it's going to a Game 7 back in Chicago, and who knows what happens there. So... Well, Ian, I I was also looking at this one because this is on my list as well. Um, Some kind of interesting facts. This was the first finals um, since 2004 to be tied after two games, which is kind Mm -hmm. of cool. And then the first it was the first Stanley Cup since 1993 to feature three overtime games. Um, And then it included the fifth longest game in finals history. Yeah, it wasn't was that game one or? I don't. I the don't longest know. one. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I think the, I think it was game one because I actually have that as uh, later in my list um, as one of the top moments of the decade. I actually have that as number nine. Andrew Shaw triple overtime game winner, um, and I, if I remember correctly, it was deflected a couple of times. 
Um, so it was kind of a lucky goal, if you will, but um, that really got them going on the right step in that Stanley Cup. And it was a three-overtime uh, affair, like I mentioned, and I think it ended around 1, one fifteen yeah. goal time. So It's really late. Yeah, so it was, a, it was a long game. I remember staying up for that. Yeah, it was a fun team to watch, too. I mean, you had Andrew Shaw, you had Pat, obviously Patrick Kane, mm-hmm. um, Taves, Bickle with the mm-hmm. angle. Keith. And, yeah. It was really a like infamous team that you just kind of remember all of those names. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of them are still there. Shaw came back. What was it last year? Yeah. Was his first year back? Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully there are better times in the future for the Blackhawks. Right now their season is not going yeah. super well, but hopefully um, they'll turn it around next year. Yeah. And then staying on the Hawks, the next top moment was the Hawks winning the 2015 Cup. That was the most recent uh, Cup appearance. Kind of hard to believe that it's only been four or five years because it almost seems like a lot longer. Um, but that Cup was, a, was, again, very interesting, very competitive with Tampa Bay. Um, that game one, they were down one nothing with 3.30 left in the third period and came back in that one, and that kind of set them up for that Stanley Cup. Uh, I thought it was cool because it was the first time they've ever won at home. 2010, obviously, was in Philadelphia, 2013 in Boston. So it was kind of cool to see them win it at home. Uh, Patrick Kane kind of sealing that Stanley Cup late in the third period of Game 6, I believe it was. Um, And, you know, just kind of sending the UC into a frenzy. So that was a really cool um, moment just because it was at home. So... That was my number five moment. Number six, we're back to the Cubs, and it was them winning the 2015 NLDS against St. Louis. Um, I think that was just kind of the moment that the power of the Central finally turned. Uh, Beating St. Louis, who had had the best record in the National League in four games, and you know, the Cubs weren't really supposed to be there. They had won 97 games, which kind of shocked everyone. Um, And then they are there in the NLDS winning and going to the NLCS. And I think that was kind of the moment when everyone started to finally believe that this plan is going to work. Um, You know, it didn't happen in 2015, obviously, but that playoff series with St. Louis, I think, was a huge reason why they were successful in 2016. Yeah, it kind of started the whole, the Cubs, their success, um, and really got the city excited about them finally after so yeah. many years of being, you know, under 500 even. Yeah, yeah, no. So that was the number six moment. We've Number seven, I'm going back to the Blackhawks, and this actually was in that 2013 Stanley Cup run, um, and it was in the second round against Detroit. The Blackhawks were down 3-1 in that series, uh, rallied to tie that series at three games apiece, and then in overtime of game seven of the Western Conference Final in Chicago, Uh, Brent Seabrook scored the game-winning goal, which just really, again, was another kind of turning of the guards because it was a team the Blackhawks have never been able to beat in Detroit. Huge rival in the Western Conference for the Hawks at that point. Detroit has since moved to the Eastern Conference. Um, But that moment, sending the Blackhawks to the Western Conference Finals, I think after seeing them come back from that 3-1 deficit, Everyone kind of believed that they were going to go all the way and win the cup, and they did. So that was the number seven moment. I feel like there's a pattern with Chicago sports, always going in deficits (laughs) and causing 
many heart attacks yeah, among no, the fan base. It's true, and that's a good segue because my number eight moment is the Cubs come back in game four of the NLDS of 2016 against the San Francisco Giants. Um, at that point, the Cubs were down 3 nothing, I believe, uh, in that game in the uh, eighth inning. And Matt Moore for the Giants was absolutely dominating them. Uh, and then, you know, the ninth inning comes around and the Cubs put together a four-run four rally, which at that time was the largest comeback in a postseason game in the ninth inning or later. And really got them, obviously got them into the NLCS. But if they don't win that game, you know, the series is going back to Wrigley for game five against Johnny Cueto, who dominated the Cubs in game one of that series. And you never know what happens in game five. And imagine the immense pressure the Cubs would have been under in a game five situation at Wrigley, you know, win or go home against the San Francisco Giants, a team that has historically just beaten up on the Cubs. So I don't, I'm not convinced that if the Cubs did not come back in that game, I almost think that they lose that series to the Giants, obviously then don't win the World Series. And that would be a much different place right now with how the team's been if they didn't win that 2016 World Series. So that. Yeah, and I think in a, for a future podcast we can talk about the 2016 team and then because they still have their core players. Mm -hmm. So was that a fluke or were they really that successful, that talented? And do they have a chance of, you know, bringing another, maybe not a world series championship back to the city. I mean, hopefully, but, or maybe just, you know, a successful season um, because it's hard to say whether that team was a fluke or if, if they still have that core intact, could they come back and, have another run at it. Yeah, that that's a great idea. I think we should do that um, in the spring, before the before the baseball season starts. So um, it's coming soon. Yeah, it's uh, cold out there right now, but you never know. You know, eventually we'll get to the warmer weather. <laughs> Long way to go, though. Um, number nine moment I've already touched on. That was the Andrew Shaw triple overtime game winner in the 2013 Cup, and then finally for the tenth moment. I have the Cubs 2017 NLDS Game 5 Thriller in uh, D.C. I think that one kind of goes a little bit unnoticed just because, you know, it happened after they had won the World Series. But that was one of the more crazier games I've ever seen. They won that game 9-8, to but that game featured uh, two or three errors by the Nationals, a pass ball, catcher's interference... All these crazy things happening all in the fifth inning of that game against Max Scherzer, Max Scherzer um, and, you know, one of the hardest, toughest pitchers to face in baseball, and the Cubs put together a rally and then won that series. But that was a pretty insane game, and the Cubs were underdogs in that series and got back to the NLCS against the Dodgers, which obviously didn't turn out great for the Cubs. But just to get to that point, I think, with that team – was pretty remarkable. So do you want to go into your top moments, Ashley? Sure. I think, actually, honestly, they were all covered by you. So <laughs> I'll just give you my order because yeah. we talked through them. Obviously, number one, not a surprise, the Cubs winning the World Series. Um, you know, really, that 108-year drought, it broke that drought. Um, all of those curses <laughs> we can throw out the window. So that was just a really exciting um, game, a really exciting season, 
And I think everyone in Chicago will remember where they were at the time when they won the World Series. I personally was in a hotel room in Detroit. <laughs> I had an interview the next morning. Um, but, of course, I had to stay up and watch the game. So I stayed up until that was pretty late. It was probably yeah. like 1 or 2 in the Eastern morning, time. Eastern time. Detroit, yeah. yeah. So I stayed up late. Um Look, thankfully they won because I would have gone into that interview the next morning. Um, not a happy person. So, um, and I remember Skyping you and mom yeah. and everyone. So it was still, I mean, it was still obviously a very, very fun season and going to the, the parade as well. Mm-hmm. There was just millions of people. Um, it was a beautiful day, blue skies, yeah. warm. In November too. Yeah, in November. So that was really fun. Um, number two, I kind of changed it up. I said the Blackhawks winning the Stanley Cup in 2010. That was the first, you know, win in a while. So that was my number two. Um, then number three, I would say the Cubs winning the NLCS, like we talked about. Personally, it was, a, you know, being there at the game, I'll forever remember that. Um, also remember, you know, walking out of Wrigley and just seeing so many people in the streets of Wrigleyville, which was awesome. Just to see the city kind of rally behind the Cubs and have the excitement of going into the World Series. Um, number, what is it, number four? Four, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> number four, uh, Blackhawks winning the Stanley Cup in 2013, and then number five is them winning in 2015. That Just that whole team was just electrifying and so yeah. fun to watch. Um and obviously, I mean, Patrick Kane and Taves, I think they're the dynamic duo. And um, probably at, at one point, they were probably the face of Chicago sports when the Blackhawks were winning so much. And then I think once the Cubs won, maybe uh, Rizzo or Bryant became the face. Yeah. Yeah. So those were my top four or top five. Yeah. Um, I had some other honorable mentions, not so much moments because I took it as more of. Yeah, these um, are more storylines. Yeah, I think some top storylines. Obviously, um, you know, we haven't talked about the Bulls a ton. They didn't do a lot <laughs> this past decade. Um, kind of sad. And, you know, this year they're awful. So yeah. hopefully, I don't know where that where they're going to move from here. But I think the Bulls with Derrick Rose in 2010 to 2011. Um, Derrick Rose was so much fun to watch mm-hmm. he really was that mvp season um just he was the youngest mvp ever he yeah. i think he was 21 mm-hmm. 20 21 and he won the mvp for that season during the united center chant mvp every time he would shoot free throws you know i i wonder what that bulls team would have done had derrick rose stayed healthy because i do think they would have beaten Miami at least one of those years and got into the NBA Finals. And at that point, who knows? Um, that was obviously one of the top storylines of the decade was just the Derrick Rose injury saga. Um, I, he was sitting on the sidelines, right, in a suit? Yeah, yeah. And I think, I mean, everyone in Chicago is not happy. No, but I think people have started to realize what he was actually going through. I know there was that documentary about Derrick Rose when he was with the Bulls and his injury situation. Um, that just was released. And I think after people saw that and kind of understand his story a little bit better, um, they kind of understand that it wasn't necessarily Derek Rose's fault for sitting out. It was more the Bulls um, PR. They just 
were awful in conveying the messaging on that whole situation. Um, they should have controlled that message a lot more than they did. And unfortunately, um, they did a terrible job in the messaging department on that, and it led fans to turn against Derrick Rose. But again, I think that's starting to change. So yeah. he'll, he'll be back in Chicago for the All-Star game. Oh, yeah, I read that. Too, and mm-hmm. he'll, he'll get a great reception. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think the next one is on both of our lists. Oh, no. Um <laughs> I think I know what it is, and I'm about to throw up just thinking about it. Yeah, I think it, it started last year with the Bears oh, having no. such a dominant season. You know, it kind of came out of nowhere. No one yeah. expected them to be that good. And then we had the game against the Philadelphia oh, Eagles. Don't mention his name. And let, let, uh, Savannah Cody or, Parker. Yeah, or, uh, Savannah Cody Parkey. or whoever it was. Yeah. Cody Parkey, um, you know, when the, the Bears oh. were down w- – what was it? One, one point. One point. Sixteen and to fifteen. Sixteen to fifteen, and actually Brian was at the game yeah. behind that Literally field right goal behind the goal post. Yeah, and then Parky, you know, kicked it from what forty three. Yeah, forty one or forty. Yeah, forty one, forty three. I want that out of my memory. I don't even. It's one of the two, and I'm not even gonna look it up because I I don't even want to see his face. Yeah, and I, then so anyways, kicking it, and then hitting the. <laughs> double doink so yep. hitting both goalposts and then crossbar yeah and i think you know if that was it i don't think people would have it turned on him as much it was the whole afterwards going on the today show wanting sympathy wanting a police escort to soldier fields for practice because he didn't want to sit in traffic it's that it's all of that and then just you know all coming together for that double doink well it's feeling it it feels like he was entitled and felt like he deserved all of this yeah praise and getting an escort to soldier field and then he was not even a good kicker i mean he mm-hmm. missed how many field goals in the regular yeah. season and then obviously the season ending with his his miss so i think in Actually, Nagy, in an interview after, um, well, one, Parkey was not approved by the Bears um, staff to go on to the Today Show. They didn't really know. And then um, Nagy said, you know, we talked about the team being, everything being a we thing, and then him going on the Today Show was not a we thing. It was more of a me thing. And I think he said it perfectly. Um, I don't think he should have been on the Today Show. And especially being, it was what, five days after the season ended? So wounds were still fresh. And you would think the players would be upset too, but he just seemed to like the limelight. Yeah, but that was a whole storyline. Just the Bears kicking woes in general for the whole decade was just a mess. Ever since letting, letting go of Robbie Gold, ever since then, they've just been in this circle of trying to find a kicker and they I I still don't think they have a kicker I mean Panero was okay but again he had some big misses he came across as cocky a lot of the season I thought um you know for a guy that hasn't really proven himself too much and that's still a focus I think for the Bears going in forward into the offseason but that's going to be a future podcast on how to fix the bear. So yeah, because I think there's more than just. Oh, I think the absolutely. kicker is the lowest priority. Absolutely. I think, um, but it's interesting because it is a storyline in in and of itself. Because 
the Bears focused so much on the kicker position in the offseason. Mm-hmm. It was like a circus over there, yeah. getting all of these kickers in, having this huge, almost like a contest on who yeah, was the was. best kicker. And then that was really the least of our worries. I mean, you have Trubisky not yeah. performing the way he should be. He kind of regressed. Um and then, obviously, I mean, it was just a disaster this season. Yeah. So, And that was another storyline I had on my list was Trubisky going number two overall. And it's very poetic right now because Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes are playing each other as we are recording this podcast in the The AFC son of a Div- Mitch Bull. Yep. <laughs> uh, as we are recording this podcast, uh, they were playing in the AFC Divisional Playoff. So, and, you know, our guys sitting at home. So, and... Let's not forget the Bears traded up to, they originally had the number three overall pick and traded up to the number two, picked Mitchell Trubisky, and, you know, the jury's still out. I guess things can still change, but so far, it's not been going well, so. Well, and I think, again, we'll talk about this in a future podcast, um, but I don't think it's fair, really, to Trubisky. I mean, he, what, he said three seasons? His first season was Before really a now. wash. Oh, okay, never mind. Yeah. Well, enter- his... I think he's entering, entering his four. fourth. Yeah, so yeah, his first his first season was really a wash because he didn't have the coaching behind him that he needed. Yeah. And then I mean, he didn't have a lot of college games. So yeah. that's really on pace for picking him, but regardless, I think that in, in and of itself is an interesting storyline and hopefully next year um we'll have a, a good season with him and, and he'll play a lot stronger. He'll complete passes. He will have more than a six yard average oh, <laughs> passing. We um, can only hope. Yeah. So we will see. Continuing on with the bears quarterback stories though, the other, another story I had from the decade was the uh, whole Jay Cutler injury during the NFC championship game against the Packers kind of just sitting on that um, stationary bike on the sidelines, looking very uninterested with headphones in. Well, and his whole season, I mean, the whole time he was here, that was one of the uh, yeah. criticisms of Cutler is he looked disinterested the right. whole time. But then when it got on national TV in the NFC Championship, and then you have fellow players coming out, posting on Twitter, kind of bashing him, and then, you know, that whole situation, people thought it wasn't a real injury. It was a real injury, but just his whole attitude about it, he should have been on that sideline, obviously getting medical help if he needed it, but also coaching along, um, I don't even know who came in that game. Um, oh, Caleb Haney. It was Caleb oh. Haney, the third-string quarterback, because uh, Todd Collins, their second-string quarterback, was so awful but then Caleb Haney began a little run, actually got the Bears within 30 yards of tying the NFC Championship game, but he was getting absolutely zero help from Cutler. Um, so I well, think and that's, that was that, obviously a problem. Well, and that's the job of the quarterback. Right. He's the leader of the team. He's supposed to be there, even you know, coaching, supporting um, the backup quarterback if he has to come in. Like That's his job. Right. So him sitting on the sidelines was not... Not a good look. <laughs> no. And I think what our last one, or yeah. my last one, would be um, Theo Epstein. Yep. Uh, when he signed to the Chicago Cubs, there was a story that got leaked from actually a fan. Yeah. He was in a Starbucks around, uh, it was either Lincoln Park or Wrigleyville. Yeah. And he saw Epstein. And I, um, so then he went up to Epstein and said, 
basically questioned who he was. And I guess Epstein, you know, whenever he gets recognized in public, he kind of um, shuffs it off or he like sloughs it off. So he said something like, um, I don't know who that is. And, or, and then he also said, Oh, I've gotten that before. Like, yeah, I look like him. And then afterwards, like, wait a minute, those are two contradicting statements. Uh-huh. So the fan kind of read into that. And then the story got that got leaked through the Chicago Tribune, I think yeah. it was. Yep. And that was kind of the turning point of the whole decade, at least for the Cubs. So um, those are kind of top storylines. But we want to finish off the podcast with predictions uh, for 2020 and bold prediction so you know we don't want like the bears are going to win at least five games like hopefully they do but it's not very bold so my three and i'll start with a negative one first and then go more positive i think the cubs will finish under 500 um which obviously they haven't done since 2014 so you know they've had a very successful run this you know these last four or five years but I think that window, I'm not going to say it's starting to close, but they need to do something to change the trage- trage- trajectory, <laughs> can't talk, of uh, where they're headed. Because I think, you know, in two years, you have all these guys coming up contract-wise. And who knows what's going to happen with Chris Bryant this offseason. I think if the Cubs trade Chris Bryant this offseason, they will be under 500. So, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. But, you know, they were an 84-85 win team last year. And quite frankly, all they've done is subtract so far this offseason. They really have no one in their bullpen. So. Yeah, but I just to contradict that, I mean, there were, they did have a lot of injuries last year. No, that's true. I mean, they did. I just, I guess I am, if I had to pick if the Cubs are going to be significantly better than last year, meaning 90 plus wins or significantly worse, again, like five games worse, I'd pick the worse, uh, at least for now. You know, maybe David Ross will get these guys to perform better than they did last year and the year before, but I don't know, until I see something different from the last two years, I'm going to assume they're going to continue to regress until they prove otherwise. So that's more of a negative. I hope I'm wrong because I really hope the window isn't closed. Um, I want them to be more like the Houston Astros have been or you know the LA Dodgers even, a team like that who have continued to reload their farm system. But the Cubs haven't had much luck doing that, especially in the pitching front. So I hope that they can, you know, prove me wrong. But for now, I'm going to say they're finished under 500 in 2020. Uh, My next one, this one is very, very bold. I think it's kind of too bold, to be honest. But I have the Bulls getting a top three draft pick, um, which I know is very, very unlikely. They're probably going to only have a 1% or 2% chance of doing that if they finish where they are right now. But I almost think it'll be like that Derrick Rose moment where they had a 1.7% chance of getting the number one overall pick, and they got it. And, you know, this organization just needs something to go right for them. And they've gotten the number seven draft pick three years in a row. I think somehow those lottery balls just fall their way, 
and they get a top three pick. So we'll see. I mean, if they make the playoffs, obviously they're not going to get a top three. But the way they've been trending, I, I, I don't see them in the playoffs. So that would mean they're in the lottery. Well, hopefully they have something going right because the United Center is struggling. I mean, yes. I've heard that it is empty. Oh, yeah. yeah. No fans are – I mean – it's people hard to get care. excited about, yeah. I, I mean, I don't care, no. to be honest. I mean, people in Milwaukee have asked me, oh, do you like the Bucks now, like all this stuff? I mean, I, I don't. I don't really pay attention to them, but then they're like, are you a Bulls fan? I'm like, yeah, I mean, sure, I'll watch them. But I was like, to be honest, right now I don't really care because their organization is just run so poorly. And well, the NBA is just changing. I'm not huge into the NBA right now, you know, with all these super teams and no defense and – I just don't find the game as entertaining as a college basketball game, so that's just my personal opinion. But, I mean, I guess I wouldn't be opposed to watching a Bucks game in a bar with a bunch of people if, you know, and that's saying a lot that I would say that being from Chicago. So, And then my final prediction, this one is very positive. I think the Bears will get back to the playoffs in 2020. And I'm even going to make it a little bigger. I'm just going off my, the top of my head. I think they will actually win a playoff game, too. Wow. <laughs> yes. So that's a big one because they haven't done that since 2010. So I thought, you know, that's how they started the 2010s. Maybe it'll be how they start the 2020s. I don't think they're as far away as people think they are. This is, again, something we're going to talk about later in a podcast. But they've got an easier schedule. They went 8-8 eight and eight this year. You know, a lot went wrong for them. If Eddie Panero hits that game winner against the Chargers, you're already up to nine wins. And then, you know, if Akeem Hicks doesn't go down in that Oakland game, who knows what happens with them. So I think they've got a few things. Obviously, they need to iron out. um, Their whole offense? I mean, I wouldn't say their whole offense, but... The majority of it. A big chunk of their offense needs to be fixed, but... It's a huge thing. But I think you're seeing, just in these NFL playoffs that that are currently going on, the Tennessee Titans don't have a quarterback. I mean, Ryan Tannehill, as, a, as their starting quarterback, they have a running game. And I think you're seeing that from a lot of these teams that are being successful in the playoffs, running the football. And if the Bears can revamp their offensive line and give David Montgomery some holes to run through, that could be the catalyst for fixing that whole offense just yes, getting the running game going but getting a running game going requires a coach that actually knows how to coach a running game true but we don't know maybe matt Nagy won't be calling plays next year well we can only hope if we want a running game yeah because he will not do that yeah yeah i mean that's been proven the last two years so but that's that's my final bold prediction we'll end on a positive note for me what about you um well i'll start more positive I I think the Cubs will be better than they were last year. Wow. I don't know if they'll necessarily make the playoffs. Um, I think it depends on how the whole rest of the division plays, but I do think they'll be better. I think a lot of their injuries um, caused them to have such a bad season last year. Um, I don't think they'll get rid of Bryant right now. I think he'll be on the team next year. They have the majority of their core. Um, it'll, I think... It will really depend on how Ross coaches the team. Mm-hmm. I think that change will be good. I, I mean, I love Joe Madden. Everyone did here. He brought a World Series championship to the city, but I think it was a change that needed to happen. I don't know if Ross is the right answer, but I, I don't think we can say that right now. I think we need to give him a chance. Um, 
and obviously he was on the championship team, but I don't think he'll keep bringing it back to that. I think, um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how he coaches, but I think the Cubs will be better than they were last year. Okay. Um, my next prediction is I think the Bla- or Blackhawks. I think the White Sox will make the playoffs. Yes, I agree with that. I think they have a really exciting team. They have a lot of rookies on their team. Um, and I just think it'll be good for the city because the Black or why do I keep saying the Blackhawks? Yeah. Uh, the White Sox, um, they've really been kind of non-existent since the 2005 season. Yeah. The only team in Chicago that did not make the playoffs in the 2010s was the White Sox. 2008 was their last playoff appearance. Yeah, and it's just kind of sad. I mean... Not not as many people go to the games, and the games are still really fun. So I'm really hoping that they turn it around this year, and, and hopefully the Cubs will too because that would be really fun to have both teams playing well in the city. Yeah. So that's my second prediction. My third prediction, I feel it has to be around the Bears, right? Um, I do think they'll make the one playoff game, but I think they'll lose it. Okay. Um, it's still progress, but again, I think to your point, they have a much easier schedule, so that will help. Um, it just, I, I'm really concerned about the whole offense and how Trubisky will play. Hopefully he'll be better this, this year. Um, hopefully I think there's, there was some tension between Nagy and Trubisky just in terms of how to run the team. Um, Trubisky does much better when he's out of the pocket, um, and I don't think Nagy wanted him to do that. So I think it'll be interesting. An interesting season. Um, obviously, I love watching the Bears, regardless of if they're good or bad. It's, but it's been a lot more fun the last few years. No, absolutely. And I will leave you guys all with this note. So while it seems right now that Chicago sports is kind of going downhill, which, you know, that's a fair, fair assessment to make. The most years the a Chicago sports team has gone in the last 15 years uh, without w- winning a championship is four years, four seasons. Right now, we're in going into year four since the last Chicago sports championship in 2016, which would mean that 2020, if the last 15 years, you know, trend stays true, a Chicago sports team will win in 2020. Well, which one so, would you predict? Oh, boy. Um, this is really bold. <laughs> yeah, this, I mean, this wasn't what we were... He also doing. loves fun facts, so I think that was his fun fact. Yeah, no, I I didn't realize it. I was literally laying in bed last <laughs> night thinking about, okay, the White Sox won in 05, then you had the Hawks, then you had the uh, Hawks again, and then you had the Hawks again, and then you had the Cubs. and um, So let me think. Uh, most likely... I'll say the Bears. Wow. Yeah, I'll say the Bears because the NFL's different in the sense that the playoff teams change every single year. And a lot of times you will see an underdog go in and make it to the Super Bowl. It's been a while. The last time was the 2010 Packers, which don't really want to talk about that. But you see right now the Titans are in the AFC Championship. Um, hopefully you'll have the Seahawks in the NFC Championship after they beat Green Bay today. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, you never know. So I, it's the, I would say the uh, Bears. Interesting. 
Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I get your point. Yeah. There are less games to win. Yeah. And really, every game is almost like a fresh start, especially in the playoffs. Yep. Um, so, yeah. So, hopefully, 2020 is brighter than 2019 was on uh, the sports landscape. But we appreciate you listening. Yep. Thank you. Come back. Uh, who knows when we'll record the next yeah. one. We'll get on a more regular cadence, but yeah. we'll start talking definitely as we get closer to baseball season with spring training starting in what? March? Yeah. Is it February? No. February. Their first spring training game is like February 23rd or something. Wow. Yeah, so that's in a month. It's March 26th in Milwaukee. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so we'll we'll do some Bears talk, um, how they can fix the season. Yeah. And then, or Go right how the baseball season. Yeah. Then. Yeah. So we're going to try to get the podcast uploaded to as many places as possible. Uh, we don't really know how to do that yet, so... Uh, once we figure it out, it will be available. So thank you for listening and we will talk whenever we, uh, record our next episode. So thank you.